The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome to Scorebox this Thursday morning. These are your headlines. Price cuts and margin pressure putting Tesla in the back seat. Sending shares 4% lower after hours as quarterly profit plunges 44% at the EV maker. The CEO, Elon Musk, issues a cautious outlook. Even if the best ship is still going to have tough times, the weaker ships will sink. We're not going to sink, but uh, you know, even a great ship in a storm has, has challenges. Uh, Netflix, however, look at that, taking the crowns. Shares surging nearly 13% in extended trade as the streaming giant reports a blowout subscriber number and raises prices in key regions. The co-CEO, Greg Peters, issues an optimistic view on the ad business. We've got great content. Uh, the brands want to be next to. We're a safe place for brands to exist. We've got great engagement from our members. That's a really strong foundation um, to work with. But we got a lot of work, and we know we have a lot of work to fulfill that potential. Rising yields heaping pressure on global equities with Asian stocks taking a leg down as the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury hits its highest level since 2007. That's July of that year. And the U.S. says Egypt will open the Rafah crossing to allow aid into Gaza after President Biden's whistle-stop trip to Israel not until Friday at the earliest after airstrikes damaged the site. And SAP confirms its annual outlook with cloud revenue jumping 16% in the third quarter, sending shares 3% higher in the US. Uh, that's an extended trade. We're going to hear from the CEO, Christian Klein, this hour. Uh, a very good morning to you. Very, very busy corporate uh, news flow, both sides of the Atlantic. A lot of C-suite guests on this show as well. So hopefully you'll get a good gauge of just how things look in stunningly uncertain geopolitical and economic times. Let's get to the U.S. tech story. Tesla and Netflix have kicked off this quarter's tech earnings. Both companies reporting their latest results after the bell. Netflix shares sharply higher in extended trade after the streaming giant added 8.8 million subscribers in the third quarter. That actually beat estimates and marked the largest subscriber gain since 2000, which of course uh, marked the uh, COVID restrictions era. Uh, that was driven though by interest in the streamer's ad-supported plan, which saw membership surge 70% in the last quarter, as well as the company's crackdown on password sharing. The co-CEO, Greg Peters, uh, said more customers are sticking with the streamer than expected after it rolled out paid-for-sharing plans. We're going to continue the rollout uh, for the next couple of quarters. I think you know folks are trying to figure out how much, how much juice is left there. And I would say we anticipate that we will have incremental acquisition, incremental ads for the next several quarters. We've seen that in the last couple of quarters. I think also worth noting that that was on top of also very healthy organic, meaning not driven by page sharing growth. 
Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good morning. You? Yeah, great. Day. Good morning. You, I know, because you and I have been out on assignment <laughs> the last couple of days, but yep. we won't mention that. Um, fascinating time for you coming into the, the very interesting time for both, obviously, the, these two companies and obviously some of the, the pure play tech companies as well. Um, we'll concentrate on Netflix to start off with. We'll get to Tesla in a few moments' time. What, were you, what did you make of the numbers? Uh, they were very strong. I think there was a lot of bearishness going into this report. This report. Could a mature company uh, like Netflix, which has been around for a while in the streaming games, continue to show growth? And that's exactly what investors were asking, and it did. And I think it shows that Netflix uh, remains ahead of the competition uh, for the time being, uh, and people are still willing to pay for it uh, despite sort of the crackdown on password sharing and the price hikes as well. It remains a, a sort of mainstay of people's streaming lives. And I think that was the big takeaway. And they gave investors everything they wanted to hear. On the $6.99 per month ad supported tier, they said, well, 70% year-on-year growth in membership, uh, 30% of new signups to this ad plan. On the password sharing crackdown, they said that their healthy retention, cancellations are low, uh, and importantly, margins. This was a very, very big one going into this report. Um, they expect full-year margins at 20%. That was the upper end of their range, but more importantly, they forecast next year's margins to be in the range of 22 to 24 percent which is exactly what investors uh, wanted to hear and they managed to, to, to hike prices as well showing the pricing power so they sort of fired on all cylinders on this one I think if there, there was any concern it's around that average average revenue per membership effectively ARPU or average but that's revenue per user new plan. that's built into a new plan that that's been on the decline uh, it declined again in the quarter, but they forecast it to be flat, which is a positive. But of course, any any kind of further issues, uh, i.e., more people moving to perhaps the lower tier plans, uh, not paying for the for the uh, sort of ad-free plans, that mix is still uh, you know questionable. Whether going forward, more people will go to the cheaper plan. How much is that going to dilute the business? For now, it looks like they're seeing a big recovery uh, in margins. Very briefly, we're just showing footage of um, fellow Chingford lad, David Beckham as well. Yeah. Um, fellow for me, of course. You're a bit further east than me and David Beckham. He was born in Leightonstone, wasn't he? He's a Chingford boy, trust oh, me. I, I can assure you. Alumni, alumni from that <laughs> rare part of the world, E4. Um, but, it, but in terms of that as a hit, is it, is, are they still reliant on, obviously we, we mentioned, we did the puns on Crown in the headlines as well. Yep. Is it still just the one big off they're, they're, they're very much reliant on? I think they're still, they've got some big hits, you know, they've still got a lot of the, the ones that have been doing well, the legacy ones, uh, Stranger Things, and uh, but of course these big uh, shows are quite important. But also interestingly, you've seen an increase more recently of third party players licensing their content back to Netflix. That was yeah. basically how Netflix grew their business at the start. So uh, other streaming players who are currently struggling uh, are perhaps seeing, uh, which you know before it was about, we've got to own our content, we've got to have our content on our streaming platforms, but now they're saying, well, actually, we're happy to license it back out. We know how difficult streaming is, uh, and that's going to also be a boost to Netflix, because people love the old shows as well. Yeah, yeah. Born in uh, the great Whips Cross Hospital, which is the huge institution our way, by the way. I was born oh. there. I was born in the. I was born in the. Ter Do you know the hospital I was born in was uh, a little bit further east in East Seventy. It was so bad that they didn't know I had yellow jaundice, so they got me out because the lighting was so rubbish in there. Oh, wow. so we both had yellow jaundice then. There's something else. That's that's, that's, that's a, it's a, another story about that hospital. Anyway, um, stay with us because we're going to move on from Netflix to Tesla. Uh, Tesla has posted its first top and bottom line miss and miss since the second quarter of 2019. Vehicle prices cut uh, those cuts. 
Drove margins down to 16.3%. We'll come back to that point. That's excluding regulatory credits, uh, marking a fourth straight quarter of declines. Uh, shares initially rose in extended trade as the report crossed, but dipped as the CEO Elon Musk said he's concerned about higher rates weighing on consumers and emphasised the need to make its cars more affordable. I'm not saying things will be bad. I'm just saying they might be. And I, I, I think uh, like, like Tesla is, a, is an incredibly capable ship, but, it is, but, but if, you know, we need to make sure like as... as if, it's, if the macroeconomic conditions are stormy, you know, you, you, even if the, the best ship is still going to have tough times, the weaker ships will sink. We're not going to sink, but, uh, but you know, even a great ship in a storm has, has challenges. Uh, Mr. Musk also warned it will take some time for the Cybertruck to produce financial returns, despite deliveries being scheduled to begin uh, only next month. I just want to temper expectations for Cybertruck. Um, it's a great product, but financially it will take, I don't know, a year to 18 months before it is a significant positive cash flow contributor. All right, let's get into this one then. Yang Wang is the senior analyst then at CounterPoint Research joining us for this discussion. Mr. Wang, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it then. Um, do they have to continue cutting prices in order to kind of maintain uh, better revenue stances in the future? Because clearly these numbers disappointed. A lot of misses. Uh, yes, a few hits, but clearly a lot more misses in this one. Mr. Wang, not sure if you can uh, hear us. Okay, not sure. It doesn't look like we, we can hear, but uh, I just thought we'd, we'd start um, there because that's been a way of trying to maintain look, market share, right? Look, 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 it's market share and then there's margin. And, and yeah. I appreciate what you're saying about market share. You gain market share very often. You get sticky customers. They'll do the, the outdated version. But it's about the margins that have led Tesla to such an enormous premium on the stock market for so long as well. In terms of that margin going down to a 16.3% level um, before regulatory um, credits are added in as well, is that a concern? Is that what the investor looking at or is there another part of the balance sheet we need to focus on? No, that's the biggest concern. We've been talking all year about Tesla since they sort of started these price cuts at the start. I've always said, how long are the uh, market, how long is the market going to be comfortable with Tesla chasing market share over margins? Uh, clearly, from the earnings call, Elon Musk continues uh, to put uh, volumes over margins at this point in time. Uh, lower prices, he said, he said they're concerned. And, and that's really where um, I think that the market's concerned about, those margins. Yeah, uh, very interesting question. I mean, I, I'd ask then, hopefully we do have uh, the senior analyst at CounterPoint Research, Yang Wang, joining us now then. Hopefully you can, you can hear us now, sir. But I was really just talking about uh, those cuts in prices then, whether Tesla would have to continue to do that to try and maintain higher revenue, even though it may dent things like margins, as we've been speaking about. Yeah, I think uh, that's correct. I think um, the guidance or the messages from the discussions in the earnings call was that they they have to continue to cut prices uh, to defend market share um, because they see the threats uh, from traditional automakers in the US and Europe and also from these other companies in China. And also uh, Tesla is adamant that they want to achieve that goal of 1.8 million deliveries by end of the year. According to our numbers, we think they are 
that we'd be able to manage it. But uh, yeah, um, uh, that depends a lot on them being able to ramp up uh, the de deliveries, the progress in terms of upgrading upgrades in the in the factories, and also the effects from the price cuts. Elon Musk said ex extensively over the call that he was worried about the macro challenges, and that is one of the leading factors where we think these price cuts may be maintained. Uh, how big an issue right now is uh, the China market? We know consumer spending remains weak. Uh, we know there's a ramped up competition from BYD as well as the domestic players. Um, is Tesla holding up well there? Uh, and what's your outlook on China for Tesla? Well, I think, I mean, through these earnings season, we've heard that um, at, at, at the premium end of, 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 of technology and also consumer goods, so the, the likes of Apple, the likes of, uh, of uh, LVMH, these, have, uh, these companies have seen some you know, worrying signs in terms of uh, the ability of consumers to continue to spend. And Tesla obviously uh, is, uh, derives uh, China's a substantial market for them. So the sales figures are a worry. Uh, that's based on the economic climate, which is well re reported across the industry. But yes, competition from local brands uh, is, is really fierce. Um, all of the uh, Chinese brands um, are seeing this as a as a strategic case of uh, of transition, and also policymakers uh, do not are not hesitating to support these emerging industries, whether it's the car makers or the components or the uh, battery makers. So um, Tesla got got into China early, so they still have some tailwinds behind them, but it's going to be a, quite a big challenge for them to maintain maintain their momentum uh, in the next few years. Yeah, so is, is there a charging standard, which a lot of EV makers are uh, taking on board, is that a kind of AWS moment for them, where if it is taken on a whole lot more and is eventually monetized, they can actually uh, get a lot from that business? Yes, certainly. Um, if you think about Tesla, I mean, they do not want to see themselves as a traditional car company. They want to see themselves as a tech company based on softwares, right? So, um, so charging, uh, that's um, a, a good a good win for them was earlier uh, the, uh, a few months ago when um, uh, the other two key automakers, uh, Ford and GM in the US agreed to adopt their charging standards. And this is good momentum for Tesla to uh, broaden their, uh, their charging stands uh, uh, across the US, but also into the other markets. They'll be able to tap into uh, probably subsidies and tax credits on infrastructure spending in, in the US, but also having this momentum allowed them an easier negotiation to discuss with other automakers to convince others to, to join their standards. But the critical thing for us is how are they gonna monetize it? Right now, it's, it's not very clear how uh, they can derive revenue from it. It could be a subscription model, just as, uh, you know, thinking of them as a software company, or they could be charging by the meter. But um, key for, for them and for the regulators is that uh, they don't, um, um, if they intend to monetize aggressively on charging standards, they do not hire um, the prospect. That's in, uh, from from the regulators' point of view, because you know, they're from the from the regulators, they want to simplify the process, enlarge accessibility for a wider range of consumers, and they certainly don't want to see one company uh, having too much leverage in terms of uh, uh, spending on it's a critical piece of infrastructure. 
So we've got to leave it there. Um, time has beaten us. Thank you very much indeed for sticking with us and apologies for the technical problem. Yang Wang is Senior Analyst at CounterPoint Research. Look, the reason why people have this stock trading at 62 times forward is because they've got industry beating margins. And when they don't have industry beating margins and they're relying on other facts as well, then we've got a problem. What was the margin decline that you just mentioned for this company? So the operating margin in Q3 yeah. for the company was 7.6% right. down from 172 right. a year ago. Now, that's really important. 7.6% yeah. 7, 7 operating margin down from 172 a year ago. This one trades at 62 times forward. What do you think Renault trades at, ladies and gentlemen? Renault trades at 2.95 on a PE basis, a fraction. 20 times less than Tesla gets in terms of the premium. And yet, guess what you think the operating margin was in the first half for Renault? I'll give you a guess. It's between 7.5 and 7.7%. It's exactly the same number. Now, I know there's a lot of other reasons why you buy a technology company rather than an OEM and the benefits of the software and everything you just mentioned about the charging, but just fascinating that those numbers seem to be coalescing towards the bottom end rather than a higher level as well. Renault shares up 15% this year, a fraction of the inclines that we've seen over at Tesla. Uh, we'll see you again a little bit later on. Absolutely. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, you've been looking at Roche figures. Indeed. So the pharmaceutical company coming out with uh, some numbers as well today then. So reporting good sales growth despite a decline then in their COVID-19 products, which of course has consistently happened uh, since last year as well. Group sales growing by 1% at constant exchange rates uh, in first nine months, showing a strong increase of 7% then in the third quarter. Their pharmaceuticals division sales grew by 9%. That was driven uh, by continued high demand for newer medicines and their diagnostics division-based business increases by 7%. So we'll get all those numbers and a little bit more, of course, on a programming note. We will speak to the CEO of Roche. That's Thomas Schinnecker. That's happening as a first on CNBC interview. It's coming up at 8.05 CET. Super, thank you very much indeed. So look, uh, in the world of consumer discretionary and consumer staples, Nestle trades at 19.5 times forward, a mild premium to a lot of the other numbers in the sector, and actually posting a 7.8% rise in uh, nine-month sales, just um, confirming, and that's organic, by the way, as well. That's an organic figure. So just confirming the outlook for the full year at 7 to 8%, posting 7.8% in the first nine months. Third quarter pricing, 6.3%. Uh, real internal growth, though, a negative figure, slight concern there, negative 0.3% percent as well but organic sales at the nine month level up 7.8 percent we've just spent a lot of time talking about margins in the auto sector let's move on to this sector adjusted ebit margin has come in at 17 to 17.5 percent in terms of their expectation for the full year and as you can see the shares have had a pretty torrid uh, 12 months as well but uh, the company and i'll just give you a little bit more detail gives you a dividend yield of just under three percent Right, coming up on this show, the uh, former UK Foreign Secretary Malcolm Rifkin tells CNBC Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, days as Israeli Prime Minister could be numbered in the wake of the Hamas terrorist attack. Plus, we'll be getting the latest numbers out of the drinks maker Pernod Ricard. That's coming up um, in around about 12 minutes' time. Charlotte will be joining us around the desk to look at a raft of French corporates reporting today. Plus, as Arabile mentioned earlier, SAP. Numbers uh, pretty strong as the German software group reaffirms its guidance for the year, uh, inspired by their cloud revenues. We're going to hear from the CEO, Christian Klein. That's coming up in 27 minutes' time.
ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on cnbc.com. Welcome back. Let's give you a quick update then on how the markets fared, particularly yesterday in the U.S. market, which you saw some massive uh, losses there, or some big losses, particularly the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq dipping more than 1% in and around that 1% dip off then for the Dow Jones Industrial as well. Wall Street reporting pretty much its worst day since the 3rd of October, actually. We are in full flow when it comes to that earnings season as it really begins to ramp up. Netflix, of course, being one that we really looked at and spoke about not so long ago, a surge of around 13% uh, in uh, aftermarket trading there, raising subscriptions in both the U in all the US, the UK, as well uh, as in France. Tesla, however, slipping uh, around 4%. They're missing that Q3 margin revenue as well as a profit. Very quickly, let's touch on the treasuries then as well, then hitting that 16-year high then for the bond market, continuing what is a massive sell-off uh, in this bond market. The 10-year looking towards that 5% figure is where we're looking on that one. 5.2527 then for the two-year yield uh, on the treasuries front. But as we get onto the longer side, then the 30-year, 5.0412. As we continue to check in on that big moves, then on the longer uh, dated uh, bond yields there. Onto the dollar crosses then very quickly as well. The U.S. Uh, dollar rising uh, to a high of around uh, 106.60 then. That's the dollar index seeing back-to-back -back gains then is what we saw yesterday. That seems to be filtering through a little bit today. September's page book out of the Fed then didn't necessarily reveal any surprises when it comes to economic activity. We also saw mixed housing data out of the United States as well there. Not sufficient enough to perhaps impact the U.S. dollar, but the U.S. dollar has been benefiting from those Middle East tensions plus then the higher for longer narrative that is uh, certainly sticking uh, to the market right now. We're still looking out for that 150 mark then when it comes to the yen. Is that going to be the point where the uh, Bank of Japan intercepts into that market picture? Asian market overall then, we look to be sliding as risk aversion does continue to prevail in this market picture, headed a little bit more to safer haven assets. Uh, also, of course, Middle East tensions still bearing uh, some uh, fruit into this discussion here. The Hang Seng Index is down nearly 2%. That's far so too for the Nikkei, uh, as well as we're seeing it right now. Property market concerns. TSMC is going to be the big uh, news point to really look out with a 30% slump expected in those Q3 profits on that one. Where we're looking then out in Europe today, well, yesterday we saw that uh, European shares fell, dragged a lot by the chip makers as well as British drug maker AstraZeneca. We look to be headed in a similar direction today with the FTSE MIB perhaps going to be the one out of step with the rest. Steve. Uh, thanks very much indeed for that, Arabile. Right, let's have a look at the, uh, the story in a bit more depth out of the Middle East. The U.S. reports a deal with Egypt to open the Rafah border crossing with Gaza to allow around 20 trucks of aid to enter the territory. But the site has suffered heavy damage after what are reportedly Israeli airstrikes, meaning the first supplies will not come until Friday at the earliest. Israel said food, water and medicine would be allowed through, but did not mention fuel. 
The breakthrough came after President Biden held talks with Egypt's President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi on his way home from Israel. Speaking during his one-day visit to Israel, Mr. Biden reiterated his belief that a two-state solution can and must be found. Nations of conscience like the United States and Israel are not measured solely by the example of power. We're measured by the power of our example. <clears throat> That's why, as hard as it is, we must keep pursuing peace. We must keep pursuing a path so that Israel and the Palestinian people can both live safely in security, in dignity, and in peace. For me, that means a two-state solution. We must keep working for Israel's greater integration with its neighbors. These attacks have only strengthened my commitment and determination and my will to get that done. Uh, the UK Prime Minister of his part, Rishi Sunak, will land in Israel this morning on a two-day visit to the region. The UK leader will hold talks with Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, and the President, Isaac Herzog. Downing Street said Sunak would then meet counterparts from across the Middle East without specifying further details. I bet he didn't specify, Dan, who joins now. And by the way, I know you, you and I and Arabilia were doing an assignment last couple of days, but I'd love you to see you around the desk as well. First time I've had the pleasure here. here. I've obviously returned the pleasure of uh, your hosting me at Adipec. Look, um, I'm just going to just break a little bit of news that the Chinese President Xi Jinping is in talks with the Egyptian Prime Minister. And I don't need to go into a lot of details there. Um, I can give one flash. Uh, China supports Egypt in taking a development path that suits its national conditions, etc, etc. But, but I think it's relevant because of the major powers and the major power play that is going on in the region as well. We know that a one-day visit from Mr. Biden administration was not what he planned. He planned to have a much longer visit, but actually after the Israeli strike, or the, no, I should put it another way, after the speculation about who hit uh, the hospital in Gaza, and of course um, a lot of the Arab world is saying it was Israel, Israel is saying it wasn't them as well. Mm -hmm. We'll leave that at that for the moment as well. But after that speculation, um, a lot of the Arab nations said we don't actually want a visit from President Biden. That's the way we understand it at the moment as well. How concerned would the US be about losing any form of influence in that region with the Chinese as well also looking uh, at the position there and of course dare I say at the Russians at some stage as well. Indeed. Uh, Steve, great to see you. Uh, Arabelli, great to see you as well. I, I think the question here is, look, where has China been throughout the course of this conflict? Because what we've seen is China working as a broker in the Middle East, negotiating that deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia, a historic normalization agreement that really put China front and center when it came to normalizing arrangements in the Middle East. And that led to suggestions that the United States may be perhaps less active in the region moving forward. The question is though, where has Xi Jinping been throughout the course of uh, the unfolding situation and escalation that we've seen in the Middle East? I think it was important for President Joe Biden to go to Israel, but the Washington Post described his visit as audacious. And I think that's exactly the right word to use because what we've seen is the, least, the, the leader of the United States coming in for just one day into Israel. Um, and of course, the tone of the president's visit changed dramatically in the hours leading up to his arrival after this deadly blast at the hospital in Gaza. Of course, that angered Arab leaders. At the same time, it also fueled unprecedented protests across the region. This is something that we just don't see in this part of the world. And of course, we saw Biden's planned visit with those Arab leaders in Jordan being cancelled as a direct result too. So with regards to the bombing at the hospital, of course, we saw, as you mentioned, Steve, Palestinians and Israelis blaming one another for that attack. But 
independent US intelligence now suggests that Israel is not responsible. And we can unpack that a little bit further because the US has independently assessed, it says, a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket misfired and hit that hospital. And that's based on three things. The first is analysis of overhead imagery. The second is intercepts. And the third is open source information. And experts at NBC News have also done analysis on some of that imagery. They've also concluded that the marks that were left by that projectile were not consistent with the weaponry that Israel has used recently. And I think this is interesting, of course, as you know well, Steve, having spent time in the region, that will do absolutely nothing to ease tensions and calm fears because we have seen Arab leaders being really angered at the lack of information about that hospital attack and, of course, um, misinformation being spread on social media about who was exactly to blame as well. Uh, and look, um, despite what, and, and you've said that very soberly, and NBC's done their analysis as well, there are large parts of the Arab world that will probably uh, never accept that it wasn't the Israelis doing it. So just for balance as well, you that it. is what the US intelligence community appears to be saying, exactly. what NBC says from its independent analysis, but there are parts of the Arab world that will never accept that as an explanation as well. But we, again, it's not for us to speculate upon that as well. What I want to ask you about it is, is the broader region now and, and how, despite the awful events going on in Israel initially and in Gaza now as well, how this situation doesn't escalate from here? How do the major parties and all the parties involved stop this from escalating, uh, including Hezbollah, including Iran as well? Uh, diplomatic efforts, of course, going on are plenty as well, but great concerns about what happens next and the devastating events we're seeing in Gaza and Israel, how this potentially could actually expand even further. Indeed, I think that's the question. And it also goes back to the question of what exactly did President Biden achieve while he was on the ground? Was he able to put forward some kind of de-escalation path for Arab leaders, for Israel and for Palestine and Hamas? That does not appear to have happened. Um, Israel is still talking about moving forward with this ground operation into Gaza. It's something that the Israeli military and the IDF has been talking about. And of course, um, there doesn't seem to be a pathway at this point to any kind of ceasefire or negotiated settlement. So the path at the moment, Steve, I would contend is one of escalation, particularly given the anger around the attack at the hospital in Gaza. And I just had, I, I, I had to, like the man I've met previously actually, but I listened to General Petraeus uh, former senior US officer in the US military talking about a potential ground offensive and actually everyone needs to know that actually if there is a ground offensive A it could last a very very long time and B the casualties could be absolutely astronomical as well and I think that's something of course the Israeli military is very aware of and of course I'm sure the, the, the devastation visited upon the people in Gaza as well I'm sure they're very and very aware that this could exacerbate even further. Indeed, US President Joe Biden even saying that Israel must not make the mistakes that America made during 9-11, kind of giving you a clear sense then uh, of where he sees things currently feeling uh, in and around that area. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com or join us again on the show with me, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Cho, weekdays on CNBC.